Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and around the world on the Ruth Shava Israel National News slash radio. And Phil, after eight long years, the news dominating the Jewish world today in a world, in a big week of politics, tax, everything, all kinds of things changing. But President Trump has earned the gratitude of many in the Orthodox community by commuting the sentence of Shalom Mordechai Rubashkin, who was held in federal prison after all kinds of um, sordid incidents in Postville, Iowa. And just the the celebration regarding this has just been, I, I think, well beyond what I expected. I mean, I expected something, but I didn't expect the level that, um, that it got. Um, and it just shows the incredible um, ability of the community to kind of continue to press the case of a tremendous injustice, at least that I believe that was done here. So uh, we'll just we'll just start with that, and you know your feelings. I, I just you know it's almost I, it was unexpected, very unexpected on my part. Wow, when you said big news, I thought you were going to talk about the Islanders for a moment. Yes, uh, the Islanders coming back to Long Island. Islanders we'll, coming back to Long Island, leaving <laughs> Brooklyn. Um, all right, you know, you took this in a different direction than I was expecting, so I'll just go with it. Every now, once I, in a while, I got to throw you a little curveball. <laughs> no, look, it's it's great news. There's no question. You know. I want to talk for a second about why this is great news. It's great news because I think nobody believed, you know, sort of the sentence met the crime, right? No, I don't think there's anybody, not legal minds, not people in the Jewish community, not people all over the world who thought that 27 years was was the rightful sentence that, that Rabashkin deserved. And right. so, Two more years, actually, than prosecutors had asked for. Right. They it, asked for a 25-year sentence. And the judge gave him 27 years. It was unheard of at the time. It's unprecedented. And so this was, there's no question this is the right thing. You know, what I would say to you, I, I think, is, is sort of the amount of jubilation. I mean, look, the way you, you characterized it in your opening was, you know, sort of held in federal prison. I mean, look, he was tried. He was, you know, sort of sentenced. And, and I agree. No, he was sentenced. He was convicted. He was convicted and then sentenced. And so, you know, I agree with you. There was no, I mean, somebody like this for this kind of crime, 27 years, again, not a legal expert. First time offender. Not, not a legal expert in the world will tell you he deserved 27 years. And so I, you know, I'm very happy that, that he's able to get out. I think it's a big simcha for his family. I think it's a simcha for the community. But also, I mean, you know, and no one is talking about this. And, and you know, just because I'm trying to get some debate between you and I for a moment, it's a bit of, a little bit of a chil Hashem. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not, he didn't. He didn't deserve to come get out of prison. I absolutely did. I'm again. This is a. Is, I think it is a simcha. But as I see the pictures, whether it's on Twitter or on Facebook or or in the news, I mean, he's just. It's hard to hide the fact he's an Orthodox Jew who was, you know, who was sentenced to was convicted and sentenced, and right. so it, it. To me, it 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 kind of hurts a little bit that it just sort of reminds us a bit of the Chil Hashem that was associated with this as well. Whether you think he's right or he's wrong, I mean, remember, and we have talked about this so many times, it's not always about whether you're right or wrong. Sometimes it's about the perception and how we have to do things above and beyond right just because the way the world is going to view us. I got a lot of thoughts with regard to this case, and, but I want to say first and foremost, let me just and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'll, I'll disagree a little bit more. What, you know, having thought about it and thought about the fact that, and the celebration going on around it and the just level of euphoria, uh, just spontaneous, well, 
it was planned. That was obviously, I don't think anybody knew no, it was going to happen. Spontaneous. So it seemed rather spontaneous. I mean, crowds of literally thousands in Borough Park gathering at his father's house, people going to the old, people going to his house in Muncie, so much so that, that porches were collapsing, uh, literally. It, it's what, it's not about the, I don't think this is about the justice system. I think here that over and over, what many in the, Orthodox community, so, and maybe hopefully others. I mean, not it. I know it's not just an Orthodox issue. I mean, you had literally hundreds of of former prosecutors. You had former attorney general. You had senators who all saw here a tremendous injustice. Bipartisan Democrats and Republicans Democrats getting together. Imagine such a thing. When's the last time we had anything that was bipartisan? That's exactly the point that they come together. And I think a lot of people in the community, you know, looked at this. They looked at this case and they said. Okay, there was the immigration raid. That was the original thing. And the feds came after him for employing. And But he was acquitted on those charges. That's, that's number one. So a lot of people are already now thinking, wow, he was acquitted on those charges. But they got him on the tax thing. You know, they got him on the bank thing. And a lot of people think, well, there's no real crime in that. That's not that no, no, big deal. No, no, I, I think that that's, you know, it's like, it's like when they get Al Capone on the tax thing, right? You know, that's, that's a, but that's the way federal prosecution that's the way any prosecution goes they look into your life they dig into everything and they try and get you on something you know no matter what because they don't like to lose and i think the real problem here is not so much the prosecution like in a lot of people's eyes it's really the judge i mean we just found out so much about this judge that she and her husband had invested in the corrections corporation of america in advance of the trial and you know she knew about the raid before and she was collaborating with prosecutors and she refused over and over to, uh, um, she refused over and over to recuse herself from the thing. Now, partly I think, I, and I, I, a little bit cloudy, is that they didn't move for recusal right away. I think his his lawyers, he was not well served by his lawyers. I mean, like that's that just I, seems to be an opinion that I've read a lot about that they they made a lot of mistakes, and unfortunately that happens with people. You make mistakes and. They it ends up hurting the client, and that's some you know that's an unfortunate thing about our justice system. We want justice for everybody, but a lot of it will depend on the level of the representation. I mean, and, I think yeah, I think what you said is, is is exactly right. I mean, you always take a look at at some of these cases where it's it's mail fraud or wire fraud that ultimately sinks uh, sinks the the defendant. And the reason for that is exactly what you said: is sort of they're digging, 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 and sometimes they get you on the simplest thing. Look, not to sort of bring back, but if you take a look at Flynn and what he pled guilty right. to, right? Michael Flynn recently pled guilty to lying to the FBI. Now, the charges one count, one count of lying to the FBI. Now, the charges and the rumors and the innuendo for months had been these grandiose collusion, this, that, the other. Now, again, I'm not saying there's more, or there isn't more, but. Nothing is left unturned, and something as as the simplest thing is like lying to the FBI is what they'll get you on. Then that is not just for Orthodox Jews or non-Orthodox Jews. I mean, that's kind of the way the justice system works. And whether it's it's the FBI or or, or any law enforcement, I think they're going to try and or prosecutor, they're going to try and get you. But I absolutely agree. I mean, the there are more than one example of this judge going. And again, I I don't want to read into why or how, but this judge was was unfair. I mean, prosecutors. We're asking for 25 years. Now, again, I think that's too much, but I think, by the way, that's what happens, right? Prosecutors ask for 25 years. The defense says, you know, they should have, you know, time served and, and home monitoring. And they, there's something in the middle you usually find. You'll see, you know, eight years, eight to 12, you know, whatever it is. 
The judge went to 27 years. It's just Again, I'll repeat, of. two years more than a prosecutor's even asked for. No real justification. She didn't even really explain it. And, you know, part of it, yeah, there's this whole thing that the prosecutors interfered in the sale of the business, so the financial fraud was bigger. Look, I'm not even contesting that. There's no question that he, he went to jail. He served time. The idea that he was going to languish in jail essentially was going to be, you know, it, uh, that get out in 2033. Would you think about it? It, for those who are feel embarrassed by this, I, I and I'm, you know, think about that the man would have sat in prison for another 15, 16 years. I mean, a lot and, of- and 15, 16 years when other people who committed similar crimes, not that I excuse that at all, as you said, they got a slap on the wrist. Uh, you know, it was longer than Ken Lay's sentence for bringing down for billions of dollars in fraud with Enron. So it's just, when you think about it, it's, it's totally appropriate, and it's up. It's unfortunate that President Obama didn't do this. He was presented with all the evidence of it. The case hasn't changed. I, I have to say, I'm, I, you know, I don't know what the process was inside the White House, but I will say that President Trump deserves a lot of credit for for providing justice here because this is justice. So, Michael, I guess this is sort of the the natural progression of this conversation. I'd love to talk the politics for a moment. Tell me why you think President Trump did this. Right? I have no idea I, about I'd the like, timing. I, you know, I'd love to I, speculate I re- for a minute. I really have no idea about the timing. I am thinking, you know, just number one, who his biggest champion in Congress became Orrin Hatch. Okay, Trump has, and you saw it yesterday at the tax thing, Trump has this absolute incredible affinity for Orrin Hatch right now. Um, and now someone say the politics that he wants to go ahead and... Uh, hatched to run for re-election. That's why he went to to uh, Utah and reversed some monuments, federal monuments, and he's been praising him over and over with as the Senate Finance Chairman with regard to the tax bill. I, I mean, I can leave that aside. I, I don't know. I mean, everybody wants to go ahead and say, well, it was Jared and Ivanka. They took care of it. Or it was post-White House Hanukkah party where there are a lot of Chabad guys there and they probably mentioned. I will say, as just an aside, not to that, the, and I saw this firsthand over and over, the level of concern that the Lubavitcher community had for Shalom Rabashkin, and which spread, I think, throughout the Haredi world, is is incredible. I mean, the way they mobilized just relentlessly to press their case is something all lobbyists can learn from. And yeah. just on message all the time, we need justice for this man. Uh, He's he, a father of 10. He deserves justice. He does not deserve to spend his whole life in jail. So I, I will say this. I mean, I, look... You expect it from 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 his supporters, from his family, friends, from from sort of people who never Lubavitch. met him. But I I, I want to go back for a moment because I think you but hit now it on just the head. with the president, and I with everybody. I can't I can't tell you again the same as you. I can't tell you why he did it, when he did it, what the timing was, and the reason. But I you know everybody's giving credit credit to the president. The president deserves it. Orrin Hatch. I mean, the man has been on this for eight years he was a believer from day one from what i understand he reviewed the case early on he he saw the injustice and and he has been and again i'd love someone to explain to me why sort of this became the you know sort of the thing for Orrin hatch to dig his 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 teeth into but he did um and i think that is a, a tremendous again it's a tremendous credit goes to him for his unrelenting advocacy for for shalom rabashkin again you know this is, I, I want to be clear, this is a huge simcha. I, I think he deserved to be out. I think I'm excited for him. I'm excited for his family. I'm excited for the entire Jewish community. I also, um, I, I think it's appropriate that it's not just about sort of who's 
in office now, right, or who's doing things now, it's sort of the people who've been on the front lines for the last eight years who have literally sort of blood, sweat, and tears, whether you understood their reasons for doing so or not. And so uh, I think this is a, a tremendous, tremendous day. I think, you know, we've celebrated. I think it's it's going to be continue to be excited. But I, I just, again, you know, as someone who served in the legislature, I think for me, again, it's it's more than just you know, I said this, but I want, I want to say it again because it's more than just being right or wrong. It's always about the perception. And so there's no question there's a Chil Hashem aspect as well. And so we, we have to keep that in mind, not to in any way sort of temper some of the celebration, but as something that we should always keep in mind as we move forward, especially in politics. I think, you, you know, what might be the negative piece of this, or you could consider to be the negative piece of this, is... Almost it was like, and if you remember, you know, if you're old enough to remember there's such a thing, the way Jews around the world celebrated when they heard that Anatoly Sharansky was being freed. Like, this is kind of the level of the fact that he was a prisoner of Zion, a prisoner of conscience. I, I, I have trouble with that. Let me just personally. This was a tremendous injustice. There's no question this man did not deserve to be in jail for another 15 years. 15 years. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. That's the difference here. So it's it's a real thing when you think about it. 15 years he would have spent in jail. Now, you know, there's all kinds of people that'll say, well, you know, he should have he should have pled guilty. They had him. You know, he 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 rolled the dice. I've heard all kinds of things as far as that. It doesn't matter to, from my point of view because nobody, I think, going into that trial would have expected that the judge would get would issue this kind of sentence had he had he been convicted and he was convicted but to also put him on par with prisoners of conscience and the idea i think what a lot of people feel is that the justice system and maybe it's just in iowa wherever you know has this level of discrimination remember this all started a lot of the feeling of the negativity towards the justice system with regard to rubashkin started about the fact they wouldn't let they wouldn't give him bail he was a white-collar criminal, not a violent what's called, who, who they wouldn't give him bail. Why? Because they said he might flee to Israel because he's Jewish. Right. I mean, look, that means essentially what that... You to make it up. They said it. Essentially what that means is that any Jewish defendant facing trial should be remanded to custody during trial without a conviction because they might flee to Israel. That itself should send shivers through anybody in the Jewish community. One one more point on this. I think we should move on, Phil. And I think it's worth it. And if you know you don't feel comfortable saying it because it's too close to home, I'm going to say it. Uh, the the rumors floating out there that somehow Senator Schumer was blocking this for years. I, I and I've seen this so much out there. You know, we really talk about fake news these days, and it cuts. It's all over the place. I mean, that one person can put something on social media and immediately gets picked up over and over. I saw people tweeting, "Shame on you, Senator Schumer, for blocking." Rubashkin's release. It's just, it's based, I don't even know what it's based on, but the idea, okay, so he didn't sign the letter. A lot of people didn't sign the letter. I mean, that's not fine. I don't know. I know that people brought this up with, with, with Senator Schumer over and over, and I know that other people were uh, were advocating. That doesn't necessarily mean, but the idea that he was blocking Shalom Rubashkin from getting out of prison, I, I just think is a terrible, it's a tremendous disservice. Those who are perpetuating this is a disservice to the community. Unless you actually know that this that this happened, it's it's just it's a it it's it's a terrible thing to actually say it. I won't even again. I won't even lend to the credibility of. of I'm not lending a, to the credibility. A baseless, a, a baseless sort of rumor that's floating out there. But I want you to know. I will say. I finally understand sort of the damage that can be done. I mean, you talk about. 
just you know people one person makes up something and then again one person makes it up and the amount of spreading it does via whatsapp or social media or twitter or facebook i mean you can really make up anything about anybody and all of a sudden by tomorrow it's literally across but that doesn't the world. mean everybody out there has to believe it no i look anybody who believes it is just naive i mean it, it's just it's it's so silly and so i you know i i i think it's it's one of those things that i think once again a lot of people like the rumor mill, right? Like, I think a lot of people, and, and you and I try to dispel some of these things sometimes, and, and we try to talk about what, what is fact and, and what is not, and we try to differentiate, but some people just love a good, juicy piece of information, and they could spread it everywhere. And here's the the worst part is, they can be the first to tell everybody what they've just heard. I mean, right. it is just absolutely sickening. You know, we don't expect it in our children, in their classrooms, our Rebbe, you know, our Menalem and our, the Rosh Hashivas are talking about sort of Lashon Hara and Rechilis and, and spreading these false lies and, and all of a sudden, in politics it's okay, right? It, in, in, in sort of when it comes to, to politicizing or rumors or, or good rumors in, in the public forum, then it's okay and quite frankly, it's disgusting and, and we try so hard to sort of look for the good. You know, here's what's so fascinating to me because something like last night, right, where you know, you can praise President Trump, but it's not political. It doesn't have to be political. There's people who are, we're so divided. And I think we talk about this a lot. There's such an ideological sort of divisiveness in the in, in politics right now that... In, in the Jewish community. And well. in the Jewish community. I, 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 I try not to say that out loud, but I mean, it really is true. And so instantly where this is doesn't have to go there, somebody, somewhere make something up and all of a sudden it just allows for that divisiveness to continue on to 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 jab that wedge and dig that wedge just a little bit deeper it's sickening i don't want to lend it any more credibility than we have and and quite frankly i think that we should you know look always be careful and and always trust what you hear on this show but nowhere else exactly well that's that should be a good close to this segment so phil major league legislation passed this week the first legislative accomplishment of the young Trump presidency. We are one year in. One year. Tax reform slash tax cuts slash really bad news for many New Yorkers. And if you listen to the president, well, this, think, was, this was well, also think, well, this was not healthcare repeal. This exactly healthcare repeal as well, all tied into the same thing. Um, you know, look, I think in a lot of ways tax reform is long overdue. I think that that there's a lot of good things in this tax bill, not to just be entirely selfish about it for New Yorkers and New Jerseyans who many of you out there, uh, especially in the Orthodox community with the high cost of living and the high cost, there are some things to be happy about, which is uh, 529 now you can use for yeshiva education if you have any money left over after paying your property taxes. And... QTR, <laughs> which a lot of our uh, BAM take advantage Exa of. Exactly. So there are some good things in there. Overall, this has looked at something that's going to hurt the Northeast. We'll have to see as it. But, but you have to wonder right now, the Republican numbers are generic. When I say a generic ballot Republican numbers heading into 2018, and we're almost there, okay? That means who would you vote for regardless of who the person running is? And you look at the polling out there, okay? CNN, D plus 18. Quinnipiac, D plus 15. Monmouth, D plus 15. Maris, D plus 13. POS Rasmussen, which is at D plus 12. NBC, Wall Street Journal, D plus 11. Now, we both know that many people get reelected as incumbents, okay, just by virtue of incumbency. The fact that it's a generic ballot number, that doesn't necessarily mean, meaning that that means all else put aside, and in politics, is rarely all else put aside. But those numbers, if you're a congressional Republican and in a potentially vulnerable district, you got to be sweating. 
There's no question about it. And I, you know, it's funny. We can all talk about about the way in this which 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 this was done. And I'm going to be the first to admit. So you can all you know, so all the, those folks who have concerns about about my ideological bent. The last time something like this was done was Obamacare. It absolutely was the last time the Democrats had control, and they literally rammed Obamacare through right. 1,700 pages. And 2009, Scott 2009. Brown beat Martha Coakley in uh, in Massachusetts for that for Ted Kennedy's seat, and, and a I'm watershed gonna, and a watershed happened in 2010. And I'm not even going to get into the fact that they waited to vote on it until Scott Brown was seated. Something that was not given to uh, to our new Alabama Democrat. Something that wasn't that that, that the same respect wasn't given. However. I don't have to tell you, the polling and the numbers for the Democrats took quite the tanking. If you take a look at sort of when the Democrats started their massive decline, it's probably around the time that Obamacare was 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 severely unpopular for many, many years. And I think it was something that, that kind of aged, right? And sort of over time, it got better and better. And because again, when you're dealing with complicated policy, there's a there's a curve that's involved. There's a there's an understanding. There's an appreciation. It takes time. It takes years before people start to to realize the impact. I don't think. I mean, look, the Republicans and the president needed this, right? The, this is the only oh, yes, thing they, they got done in 2017. You know, there's so much we could talk about in the, the the way that was done over 30 years ago. It was done bipartisan with hearings and in the public eye. This was again rushed through. Sort of the Republicans needed something to save some face for uh, for the for 2017, but here's the thing, it didn't poll well, right? If you take a look at all the polls about where tax bill, it's not polling above 20 percent, which means most Americans, Democrats and Republicans, don't like this bill. When when a lot of we a lot of Americans around the country will actually benefit. Yeah, I mean, but that's, they, by the way, but what the, but what they do see, unfortunately, is that. It's a huge giveaway for the wealthiest. I mean, it's not the huge benefits are going to corporations and the wealth. There's no question. There's no way around that. Now, you might might want to argue that that's good for the economy, and I would argue that. I actually agree overall that lowering corporate taxes attracts business. You don't have to. You're not a genius to say. I mean, New York is a high tax state, and we lost. I mean, New York's population has has been losing population over the years. Why? Most people move out and businesses move out because of high taxes and regulation. And there's no way around that. I, I don't know the, the rationale otherwise to say why, but that's, you know, that's just the case. But this is not being sold correctly. And, of course, I don't think it helps that the president hasn't released his own tax returns and, of course, claims that this is not going to benefit him. I don't see any mechanism by which that doesn't benefit him. Yeah, I mean, look. The, Tremendously. The, the simple plan is you, the economic argument that you're making may be right. And, I'm you know, we could debate that. That that would take probably three or four more shows just to debate that, to debate that point. What I'm saying is that perception-wise, this was something that was rammed through in, in a very quick, uh, quick amount of time in only a, a few short months for the purpose of giving Republicans Republicans and the president of victory. I mean, and the talking points are just terrible. Now, yeah. Brookings did say 80% of Americans are going to see a, a tax cut. I mean, I trust Brookings. I think 80% of Americans will see a tax cut. However, I think you're exactly right. The perception is, is that those who, who are making the most are going are to get the most, and, and those who are on the lower end of the spectrum aren't going to see as much in their paychecks. You know, there was, there was talk of a $60 increase. I mean, again, I'm not saying $60 isn't anything, but it's not something that is going to shift the political uh, mood right now. And going into 2018, if you know, you, you were saying sort of even if you're in a moderate sort of district, I mean, even in right Republican leaning districts, if you're sort of, you know, 
just leaning, you're going to be in trouble. And you're seeing this in every poll across the country. And I oh, don't, yeah. I'm not sure. And this is what I think is most fascinating. I'd like for you and for anybody to say, what is what is the next thing in 2018 that, that somehow will shift it back to the Republicans? I, I just don't see what it is. Well, now they have to contend with keeping the government open. You know, it's a, that's over the next couple of days. It, it's it's actually it's it's a big mess right now. I don't know where I think that the idea here is that, OK, they've done this and it's going to grow on people. And that could happen. I, by the way, but I that, think it but may. that was the same argument with Obamacare. That's right. And exactly right. We'll, we'll have to see. And it see. took years. It took years. And the Democrats saw, unfortunately for, for me and, and for those who, who I support, Democrats saw a tremendous uh, upheaval in, all their, in state legislatures. They right. saw it. They saw it in the House. Oh, they yeah. And they, the haven't, they actually haven't recovered. And they haven't recovered. I hate to say it. This That's is true. year 2018. That's is, true. Is okay, let's move on for a second. We, we have now seen the end of the city council speech race in New York City. Uh, Corey Johnson of Manhattan seems to uh, have wrapped wrapped it up. Uh, I don't know what to say prematurely, but it seems to be done. It seems to be a done deal. No, I, I think he was, and I think he employed a really good strategy. If you recall back when the, the Democrats took over the state Senate and Malcolm Smith became the leader, I think Malcolm Smith kind of employed the same strategy. Let's sort of, I'll become, I'll put myself out there as the presumptive winner, and then it sort of will just fall in my play. I think you know, and I give nothing but credit to Corey Johnson, and and I've only you know him and I have have only interacted a bit, but you know I've only known him to be a, a an honorable, respectable person. I think he'll do a great job, but I also think that it was a good strategy, right? Sort of put it out there that I've won, maybe a little bit premature, and so oh, you think they actually jumped? You thought that was that was a little tactic there? You know, I you know look again, I'm I'm a cynic in in, in sort of in in my because the last time around four years ago, it actually. Literally, it didn't seem like it was done until the day of. Yeah, I mean, I think somebody four years ago, someone other than Melissa Margarito could have employed a similar strategy. I mean, if, if you Dan Garodnik would have put out a few weeks earlier saying, hey, I've won, or he would have had the message out there that, oh, I'm presumed to be the winner. Sometimes, I mean, look, I've been through a speaker's race, unfortunately, and we've talked about this a few times. I've been through a speaker's race in the state assembly when uh, there was a change in, in the leadership. And sometimes as members, as voting members, everybody wants to be on the winning team. And so when they're when you're not sure who's winning, you could be bold and strong and say, OK, you know, I'm going to hold out and decide later. When there's already a winner, like sort of presumed, you don't want to be the last guy sitting there, like sort of holding out your support for, for any candidate. And so when you're the presumed winner, all of a sudden people who may be on the fence are going to start to jump on board and say, oh, I better jump on board. And so right. I don't know if that's what happened. The train's here. leaving the station. The train's leaving the station. I better jump on before I miss the, before I absolutely miss it. And so I don't know if that's what happened here, but a tremendous congratulations to our new city council speaker, uh, Corey Johnson. Okay. Well, let's see. I mean, we'll see what the spoils become as far as the you know, committees and, and, and the like of the new council. Uh, at Corey and the Jews, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think Mark Levine was the preferred Jewish candidate as the Jewish caucus or without, yeah, that was the, at least the perception out there. Yeah. Mark Levine was, would have been, would have made for a great speaker. I know friends of mine like Donovan Richards, Jimmy Van Bramer from Queens. I mean, look, there was a lot of great candidates out there. Right. Udonis Rodriguez, who was a, a tremendous support, a supporter when I was at Yeshiva University. So there was a lot of great candidates out there. Um, I think I think they've all come together. I mean, historically, we've seen sort of even once the speaker was chosen, sort of bitter fights that remained. I think in this case, all eight have sort of coalesced around Corey Johnson. I think uh, you're seeing a bit more unity out of the city council, but you're exactly right. Uh, to uh, the victor go the spoils, and I guess we'll we'll see how things we'll, play we'll out. see how things shake out. Okay, and uh, last point, Phil, as we close this episode, 
every vote counts. Oh, man. You'll- Virginia House of Delegates, okay, it was decided by one vote as of yesterday morning. And now... But yet now it's actually going to go to a coin flip, essentially. They're going to draw we're, we're- lots to see which party controls the Virginia House of Delegates. Okay, let's... Let's take that in for a second. It was one vote, and then they found another vote essentially for it. Now, the fact that it was that close, okay, this is a House of Delegates between Shelley Simons, the Democrat, and uh, Republican incumbent David Yancey. And the Republicans had already conceded defeat, and then the judges ruled that one vote actually should count for Yancey, and now it's tied. 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 I, I almost think that you and I should be quiet for a moment. I, I For want all you out there who don't vote. This is and there was a joke. There was a, a rumor. Again, this is an absolute rumor. But there was a rumor that the Republican incumbent voted against himself as a joke. Like, oh, I'll vote for my opponent, and and one vote, folks, one vote. And so yesterday, the Democrats wake up and and all of a sudden they realize, okay, we've won this seat, only to have one more ballot recounted. And and just to lay this out on that ballot in question both bubbles were filled in and then one of them was like semi crossed out and so it was a complicated ballot i think it rightfully should have been decided uh by a judge and so the judge made a determination that that ballot now should go to the republican incumbent which has left it over eleven thousand people on each side over twenty two thousand votes and it came out exactly even i know a lot of people out there they you know when you tell them oh, election day etc they say Oh, who has time? I don't have time. It doesn't count anyway. Well, guess what? Particularly in local races, it does count. I know we've talked in the past. Oh, some races decided by 12 votes, by 16 votes, 14 votes. This is literally number one. It's a tie right now. But it had been one vote for control of the legislature in Virginia between Democrats and Republicans, all hinging on one vote. So let's just take that in so, and say everything counts. That's the message for this week. Yeah, I mean, this is more than just the one single race. I mean, it is literally deciding the entire power sort of control of the right. entire House. It, it's fascinating. Which is actually unprecedented because the Republicans had long, had, had dominated the Virginia Years. House of Elected and, and it was a huge but uh, in the in the sweep. So Last in, word, in, Bill. In closing, congratulations to my great friend, Assemblyman Victor Pichardo, who had won his race by two votes. He is no longer the closest race. Uh, this is a, a race that was won by no votes. It's going to go up to a, to a draw and uh, literally a coin flip or uh, uh, picking number picking a name out of a hat. That's it for this week. I hear on Spin Class here on the Malcolm Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.